welcome to another episode of Heresy Hunters. I'm Micah, and I'm your host, and I'm very excited to be back and continuing our series in the study through oneness Pentecostalism. Now, it has been a little while, so many of you, I have gotten all the messages and nudges for me to get back to continue to work on the podcast and release more episodes I will actually start making more episodes, Lord willing. I will try to go back to doing it every other week. If not, maybe, I don't know, I'm not entirely sure. But I'm hoping and praying that I will continue to release episodes every other week instead of waiting (laughs) once a month or so. But it has been such a crazy week and month and man yeah crazy couple months we'll leave it at that but that doesn't matter you're here to hear more about this series i'm sure so let's get right into it so we had left off talking about the deity of christ and the denial of the deity of christ when it pertains to the oneness pentecostal dogma so I want to go back quite a bit and talk about the deity of Christ and why it's so essential that we believe in the deity of Christ. And I want to show you, as I think I showed you previously, that oneness Pentecostals deny the true deity of Christ. And the only reason I say that is because they deny the pre-existence of Christ. They would say that Christ, Jesus, is the body of Jesus. So they, they see as Jesus the physical body. And they see the spirit, Christ, as the Father. So they, they make the distinction by saying that Jesus is not God the Son which is separate from the Father that is God. They would see it as, no, there is only one person, a Unitarian God, not a Trinitarian God, like you and I would believe. So what they would assert is that to be able to comply to their theology, they would then say that Jesus... The only reason why Jesus is able to have a conversation with the Father is because Jesus is just the piece of flesh that walked the earth, but the Father, the being of the Father, was in Jesus, and that is what made him God. So that is the difference there in the dogma when it pertains to one is Pentecostals and us as Trinitarians. And again, they are Unitarian. They believe that God is one. In essence, that he is one person. But they fail to prove biblically what that looks like without doing mental gymnastics. Which we're not trying to do today. We want to look at scripture the way that it is written. And really, quite frankly, when you look at the Bible, virtually every New Testament book teaches the full deity of Christ, either explicitly or implicitly, clearly. 
I mean, this is clearly seen in passages like, and I want you to really jot these down. I want you to really, and for the sake of time, I'm going to list them because it would, honestly, this would be a, an hour or two hour podcast if I would just read through all these passages and try to prove text here. But I want you to look at these passages in context and realize that there are so many passages in Scripture that show the full deity of Christ, that Christ is fully God and fully man, and that it wasn't that he became Jesus when he then walked in the earth, but he pre-existed. He was before he was flesh. So, with that being said, jot down Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, Luke 10, 21 to 26. We have John 1, 1, John 1, 18, that he became flesh, right? John 5, 17 to 23. I mean, look at Jesus' seven absolute ego emis, ego emis, right? His statements, his I am statements. Those are super clear as well. What about John 20, 28? Or Romans 9, verse 5. Or 1 Corinthians 2, 8. Or 1 Corinthians 16, 22. Or 2 Corinthians 8, 9. Or Philippians 2, 6 to 11, which is huge as well. Or Colossians 2, 9. Where it clearly says that the full deity of God dwelt bodily. That's huge, right? Or 1 Timothy 3, 16. Or Titus 2, 13. Or Hebrews 1, 3, that he was exact imprint of the nature of God, Right? Or Hebrews 8, Hebrews 9, Hebrews 10. Honestly, the list goes on and on and on. They, the biblical evidence is massive. See, we have seen, aside from the fact that in the New Testament, especially presents the Son as God, but he pres- they present the Son as God. In other words, hos deos in the Greek just like they present the Father. The Son is presented as the creator of all things. We clearly see that. That's not a question at all. We clearly see that even in, in passages like John 1, right? In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Prostanteos. He was God, and He was in the beginning with God, and all things... Get this, all things were made through him, and without him was not anything made which was made. In him was life, and that life was the light of men. So what we need to understand is that Jesus was in the beginning. He, he pre-existed, and that is what our friends do not believe. They do not believe that Jesus was before his incarnation. They don't, because if they do believe that, then they fail to keep up with their, quite frankly, and I want to say this in a very humbly and loving way, they cannot keep up with their sinking sand theology. They can't. They really cannot. And this is why I want us to take much confidence in the Word of God and understanding that it is so clear that we stand on the solid rock, which is Christ, His Word. So be confident, because John 1, 1 to verse 5 isn't the only passage that we hold to. I just named so many. 
and one of them being Colossians chapter 1, verse 6, 16 to 17, which, quite frankly, Colossians is one of my favorite books, and this part specifically is amazing. This talks about the preeminence of Christ. Starting in verse 15, when clearly he says that he's the image of the invisible God, right? That he's the firstborn of all creation. For by Christ all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. See, it says all things were created through him. And not only through him, but for him. And he is before all things and in him all things hold together verse 17 and then the most beautiful part that i just gets goosebumps when i read is that is verse 18 of colossians 1 where he says and he is the head of the body the church he is the beginning the first one from the dead that in everything he is preeminent but i get so hung up on the part where he says he is the beginning See, it's not that he he had a beginning or that he was sort of present in the beginning, but it says that he is the beginning of all things. And for him to be the beginning of all things, he must be God. He must be. He must be fully God and fully man. But he must be fully God and he had to pre-exist. So we have to believe in the pre-existence of the Son to be able to understand that when that the one that took on flesh was not the Father. The Father did not clothe himself in flesh. God the Son took on flesh. We need to clearly understand that. And there is a clear distinction, even in the Old Testament as well. But I want us to go to Hebrews before we get to the Old Testament because we at times believe as Christians that the only passages that prove the pre-existence of Christ, the deity of Christ, is just found in the New Testament. But that is dead wrong. It is found in the Old Testament as well. But before we do that, let's look at Hebrews chapter 1, verse 2. And it says, But in these last days he has spoken to us by his Son, whom he, who's he? The Father appointed the heir of all things. Did you catch that? The Father, right, is the one who appointed Christ to be the heir of all things, through whom also he created the world. Who is he? The Father created the world through whom? Through Christ. We saw that already in John 1, and we see that clearly here. Look at verse 3 as it says about Jesus. He is the radiance of the glory of God, the exact imprint See that? Of his nature. He upholds the universe by the word of his power. Do you see the characteristics that are given to Jesus? He upholds the universe by the power, the word of his power. And he says, and this is how we know that it's Jesus that he's talking about, because he says, and after making purifications for sins, he sat down in the right hand of majesty on high. Do you see that? He sat down on the right hand of the Father. They have to be two separate people to be in two separate places. It's basic. This isn't hard to understand. Look at verse 4. Having become as much superior to the angels as the name he has inherited, he has inherited, has been given to him, is more excellent than theirs. 
it's it's very clear and as he continues to see the and the whole passage is amazing the whole chapter is amazing all the book of hebrews i recommend wholeheartedly because it is the book that shows the deity of christ more than any other book and it's quite remarkable and it shows a difference quite frankly of passages in the old testament of even for example Verse 5, right? Verse 5 of, of Hebrews 1. It says, and this is a quotation from the from the Old Testament of in Psalms, where it says, For to which of the angels did God, Yahweh, do you see this? To who did the did Yahweh ever say? To who what angel did Yahweh ever say? You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Or again, I will be to him a father, and he shall be to me a son. And again, when he brings the firstborn into the world, he says, let all God's angels worship him. Who's him? Christ. This is what the author of Hebrews is clearly saying. This is the revelation of Christ. This is what has been known by God and revealed to us through his word. That Christ is preeminent. That he is the one whom... The Father gave authority. It is the Son of God. I mean, look at what else he says. Verse 8. But of the Son, he says, and again, these are quotations from the Old Testament. Your throne, O God. This is God speaking. This is Yahweh. Yahweh is saying, Yahweh is saying, O God, is forever. Your throne, O God, is forever and ever. The scepter of your uprighteous... The scepter of uprightness is, uprightness is the scepter of your kingdom. You have loved righteousness and hated wickedness. Therefore, God, Yahweh, your Yahweh, your God, has anointed you with oil of gladness beyond your compassions. And yet another passage, verse 10. You, Lord, you, Lord, laid the foundations of the earth in the beginning, and the heavens are the work of your hands. They will perish, but you remain. They will all wear out like a garment. Like a robe, you will roll them up. Like a garment, they will be changed. But you are the same, and your years will have no end. And I, I want to stop there because I cannot sit here and read all these passages and just come to the conclusion that God, Yahweh, is speaking about himself in a way that he foresaw through the corridors of time like they say which i already have a problem with that antithesis but let's let's focus on one thing at a time they say that jesus was a thought in the father's mind in the father's heart that when it talks about John 1, it's talking about when he was in the beginning with God, that just means that he was in the mind of God, that he was in the plan of God. But where do we find that in Scripture, right? Where do we find that in Scripture? So, because many oneness Pentecostals will acclaim, well, I don't believe that because that's you taking Scripture out of context. But clearly, I just showed you that the whole context of the book of Hebrews, I mean, I'm just read chapter one. And anyone, 
I mean, anyone, you don't even have to go to seminary to understand the book of Hebrews was meant to show the deity of Christ. That Christ is preeminent. We look at the Colossians chapter 1, John chapter 1. Where do they come to the conclusion that Jesus was just a thought in the Father's mind or in the Father's heart? Where is that in the, in the Word? They pride themselves in scripture knowledge. Where is that in the Bible? Where? Where does it even allude to it? There's no there's there's nowhere that even alludes to Jesus being a thought in the Father's mind. It, it, there is nowhere in the scriptures. And I want us to really see that this theology is sinking sand. But again, there is another important piece of evidence affirming the deity of the Son. See, I want you to really understand. Scripture presents the Son as receiving the same kind of religious worship as the Father. We clearly can see that. And an example of that would be Daniel. Yes, see, I told you we were going to go back to the Old Testament. Daniel chapter 7, verse 9 to 14. Where, honestly, two distinct divine persons are being presented. And it says, thrones, thus not having a single throne, multiple thrones, more than one. It says that the Ancient of Days and the Son of Man, verse 14, it's talking about the Son of Man, is given dominion, glory, and a kingdom. We clearly see that. But let, let's let's just read it. Okay? Look at what it says. And as I looked to the as I looked, thrones were placed. And the Ancient of Days took his seat. Again, the Ancient of Days, Yahweh, God, the Father, right? Took his seat. His clothing was white as snow. And the hair of his head like pure wool. His throne was fiery flames. His, its wheels were burning fire. A stream of fire issued and came out from before him. A thousand, thousands serve him. Ten thousands times ten thousand stood before him. The court sat in judgment. And the books were opened. I looked then because of the sound of the great words that the horn was speaking, and as I looked, the beast was killed, and its body destroyed and given over to the burned with fire, and as the rest of the beasts, their dominion was taken away, but their lives were prolonged for a season, a time. And this is it, look at this. This is talking about the Son of Man. It's talking about Jesus. I saw in the night visions, behold, with the clouds of heaven, there came one like the Son of Man. And he came to the Ancient of Days and was presented before him. Did you catch that? This is talking about the Son of Man. This is the Messiah. Anyone who read Daniel 7, ask any Jewish person, anyone that knows any history of the Old Testament. The Son of Man in Daniel chapter 7 is clearly talking about the Messiah, Jesus. So the Son of Man is coming with the clouds of heaven. Again, this is scriptural. This is basic. Matthew 28, he goes back. He's coming back the same way, right? He came like the Son of Man, and he came to the Ancient of Days. He came to Yahweh and was presented before him. And to him was given dominion and glory and a kingdom that all peoples, nations, and languages should serve him. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which shall not pass away, and his kingdom one that shall never be destroyed. I think these passages are beyond clear. 
the Son of Man, the Ancient of Days, the Ancient of Days gives the Son of Man dominion, a kingdom. Do you see? Two separate persons. This is very clear. There is no way around it. There's no way that we could just look at this and say, hmm, yeah, I don't think so. No, it's very clear. All the peoples, nations, and men of every language would and might serve him. We see that also in Exodus 25, 20, verse 5. It's very clear. His dominion is an everlasting dominion which will not pass away. That passage is extremely clear. And not to mention all the times where Jesus re receives religious worship in the New Testament, right? We're not even talking about those instances like the men in the boat, Matthew 14, 33, or maybe the blind man in John chapter 9, verse 35 to 38, or Hebrews 1, 6, which we read, the Father commands all the angels to worship God, to worship the Son, to worship Him. See, this kind of worship, guys, is clearly religious in nature. It's not a worship like our friends say that is just a signet, a, a, a worship that is signifying something else. It is a religious worship meant only for God alone. So we need to understand. And one more note, I want us to understand one more scripture before we head out. And there's so much more. And I want the next podcast, which I will do, Lord willing, next week, I will try to either... I'll get to it next week for sure and post it not this week coming up, but the following week. Because I guess I want to do this bi-weekly. So is I want us to look at Revelation chapter 5, 13 to 14 right here at the moment. Which clearly shows that see the Father and the Lamb received the same kind of blessing, honor, and glory. Not only that, but the same kind of worship. I mean, look at what it says. To him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and honor and glory and dominion forever and ever. And the four living creatures kept saying, Amen. And the elders fell down and they worshipped. Do you see that? It's clear. Guys, it's so clear. That to him who sits in the throne and to the Lamb, and to the Lamb, blessing and honor and glory and dominion. How can they be the same person, my friends? It is impossible. It does, There is no room in Scripture. And I think one thing that we ought to note is that these acts of worship to the Son are not merely in the context of honor and or falling prostrate before another or in mere or anything of that sense but rather the son is worshipped in a religious context i would probably namely say worship that is reserved for god alone as we would as you as i pointed to earlier in exodus 20 verse 5 there is no other way to look at this, my friends. I think it is very, very clear. I 
pray that this opens your eyes, that this gives you confidence. The reason why I do these podcasts is not to just throw content out there and just or any of that sense. It's not about me, right? It's not about me. It's not about anything of that matter, but I want you to be equipped. I want you to know that where you stand right now, if you are a Trinitarian, if you are a person that believes in a triune God that is holy and magnificent and altogether lovely, if that is you, that I want you to be confident and I want you to understand that where you stand right now is the word of God and there is much evidence for our faith and I want you to take heart I want you to be ready to give an account to give a reason for that hope that is in you and do that with love gentleness and respect and I want you to you guys to know that as you listen to this podcast and as you learn about these oppositions to our position and you see and have discussions with maybe oneness theologians or people that are in the oneness camp i want you to understand something my brothers and sisters you need to navigate that conversation with love and which much 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 trembling and the reason why i said say that is because that is a man or a woman that is made in the image of God, that deserves your love, your respect, your complete and utter respect towards their position. And that does not mean that you should not correct them and use these passages that I that I just gave you, but I want you to be loving. I want you to be gracious as you deliver these truths. I want you not to be argumentative and try to win an argument. That is not what we're called to do, brothers and sisters. We're not called to win arguments. We're called to be lights. We're called to love our brothers and sisters and love the world. Now, quite frankly, and this is going to sound very, very nasty from me, but I want you to, I want to be clear. I want to be real. I don't want to be fake here. I don't want to say that oneness theologians are brothers. I quite frankly do not agree with that. Someone who denies the pre-existence of Christ and denies the deity of Christ and denies the nature of God completely is not my brother. He does not know the true or she does not know the true nature of God. They do not know Christ fully. They do not know him. So I would say that a person like that, yes, they must be loved and cherished because they're made in the image of God. But if you do not correct such a person, brothers and sisters, please understand that you are allowing a brother, a potential brother and sister, and a person that was made in the image of God completely miss the mark and not even know the Lord and be one of those people that Jesus proclaims to them. Depart from me, I never knew you. That is terrifying, brothers and sisters. So, quite frankly, I think that we must love 
are oneness, brothers and sisters, but we must speak truth and do it in a way that is effective. So do it not led by emotions, but led by the word of God in love and in grace. And I wanted to say that just because I've heard so many things by so many people accusing me of my podcast being solely as a tool to attack other people. And I want you to understand that that is not my intention at all. I do this out of love and grace and anything that I do with my podcast is not to put my podcast or my Instagram page is not to ridicule anyone and is not to make fun of really false teaching or false teachers. My intention is to expose it, to show the gravity of it, and to prove and show the scriptures through the light of scripture. That's my goal. My desire is that everyone comes to the knowledge of truth. That's my desire. And that's God's desire. So I want you to understand where I'm coming from. So as we close the podcast, I want to give just a little bit of an announcement. So for the next podcast, what I will be focusing on would be on tackling all the proof texts, quote unquote proof texts, that oneness Pentecostal is used to prove that the Father is literally all, that there is only one unipersonal God and that Jesus is that they would they would say that Jesus is the Father. So that uh, we will look at all the proof texts and we will exegete them. Hopefully we would be able to get through them, but if by some case we can't get through all of them, I'll probably do a part 1 and a part 2. That's that's that is the the goal. But again, Thank you so much for tuning in. I love you so much, and I thank you for joining. I thank you for listening. I thank you for being a part of it. Guys, I thank you for all the ideas. I thank you for all the support and all the love. I, I'm i just overwhelmed by the amount of support and graciousness that I've received. So I, I'm very grateful. So thank you, and I pray that the Lord continues to bless you and strengthen you. And I pray that this was a blessing to you and you're edified and and that you would continue to speak truth and love. So like always, God bless you and happy hunting.